In a world of questions, two nerds with microphones make up the answers and discuss the intersection of faith in everyday life. Today's episode, the death of Chucky. <laughs> Hi. I you picked that. <laughs> I'm Adam, and I picked the death of Chucky. <laughs> and this is Kelly. I'm here for comedic relief. Welcome to the podcast. So today we are talking not about a fictional doll, but the fall of NFL football coach. I'm going to have to practice this. Las Vegas Raiders, two years, I still can't get it. John Gruden. Um, Obviously, there are lots of feels about this right now. Yes. So for context purposes, okay, John Gruden, I don't remember where he was coaching or at what time, but he was dubbed Chucky because... There was a picture taken of him, and he looks like Chucky, the horror doll. Yes, from um, the and, Child's Play movies. And then secondly, uh, for overarching uh, theme today, uh, there was emails, multiple emails or one email, just conversations that Gruden was having with uh, corporate people, and he said some really egregious, terrible, terrible things about uh Groups of people and specific people. Um, and this was like 11 years ago? Yeah, this was bad. Well, naturally, this, I guess, would have been about 10 years ago. About 10 years ago. And so those things got leaked and started coming to light in the last two weeks. Uh, so essentially, he's been fired. Um, technically resigned. Technically technically resigned, which is a, that's a whole other thing. Just code for would have for, been fired. Forced to quit. Um, but... Uh, uh, and so we're just, we're just, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about like the timing of things and how all that works, but just so everybody is in the loop. If you didn't know that and you don't know who John Gruden is, um, you'll get a better idea of the thing that happened. You're not really going to get a fantastic idea of him as a person because Adam and I also don't know him personally. So never met, uh, the but this is a, this is a, a thing that is affecting football and it's football season. So anyway. The fall of John Gruden. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and I think, you know, for both Kelly and me, um, one of the things that we start out with this conversation is in reading some of the things he said, both, the, both Kelly and I reacted with, oh, that's gross. That's, that's <laughs> awful. That's not only can you not say those things, why would it occur to you to say those things? Those are horrible horrible things to say and there were racist comments there were homophobic comments there were misogynistic comments um so it's not like he said one thing that could be taken in a context this is a string of of emails and a string of things that he said yeah these things are wrong not just you can't say that no they they so it's so hard right like and is that you know, you, you, <laughs> you can't summarize and judge a person's entire life upon my perception of what they said and, and what they mean. Um, but there's obviously here, uh, in the context of what was said, the frequency in which they were used, who they were sent to, it's another point we'll get into, um, where this is behavior, this isn't a slip. This isn't a, I made a joke one time and it's come back to haunt me. 
I wore an inappropriate Halloween costume. Um, this is this is oh, this is you as a person. These are things that you feel. These are things that you think, and these are opinions and perspectives that you think have worth and value, and you're sharing them. Uh, um, uh, the, what to quote the the Nigo Montoya. These aren't like. I don't think those words mean what you think they, they mean. mean. You know exactly what they mean, and you're saying them on purpose. Yes. That, that's, that's a problem. And so he, he, he lost his job. He did. And, you know, I mean, his words impacted those who were not merely in his circle, but those who, with whom he directly worked. You know, there, there are female reporters that he directly had to work with um, while he had that job and while he was working as the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, he made comments about uh, the commissioner of the league. He has to work with the commissioner of the National Football League. He made comments that there was a player on his team, uh, Carl Nassib, who is openly gay, and he made comments that are homophobic, that directly impacts a player underneath his authority and leadership. Uh, so these are not merely words in a vacuum. These are words that directly impact people who have to have, by the nature of their job, relationship with him. And I think, I think one of the things that's so tough about that as well, and, and this branches out into uh, everyday life and just understanding power dynamics as well, is... Um, <laughs> The environment that gets created when the player who has to deal with those types of statements frequently is answering to a coach that also participates in that and an organization that is kind of okaying it, right? There's a whole other thing that happens on, on a person and what they have to deal with and harm that gets visited upon them um, with the culture. Uh, it, it's, it's a, and that's why I said before, it's not just what he said, it's who he said it to. Um, you know, you're making fun of a person's orientation and who they're attracted to and they're, and who they are as a person. And you're the coach that the coach is probably not going to get fired. So how, like, even for me, like if I, that was like, that person was uh, somebody I answered to and needed insight from that creates a ton of problems specifically on my end because I'm expendable. You're not. So how do I know your feedback is trustworthy? How do I know that you're not like, you've devalued me as a person? Like, <laughs> that's a... You just motioned to all of me. Yeah, that's like a whole, like, different thing of... Um, and again, like, I don't think that individual is going, hey, please, like, affirm this. Like, that has nothing to do with the job. No. Yeah, it's, it's a... Blech, it's gross. And, right, and here's the difficult part for us today. <laughs> now let's make everybody mad because we just slammed him. <laughs> we just we just spent all this energy saying, you know, we don't like how John Gruden comported himself, and that you know the ways he did things caused harm to others. And yet, one of the problems we have as a society. And this is in our, our, our culture at large and our Christian culture. 
we don't have pathways to redemption. You know, what our tendency is is to go, well, John Gruden sent emails that were were hateful and 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 mean spirited and 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 insensitive and whatever negative adjective you want to come up with, and therefore he's out of the he's out of the club. Or as um, I'm, I'm sure our buddy uh, Garrett would 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 agree, <laughs> as a former pro, I guess he's current pro wrestler Chris Jericho would say, "You're on the list." Yeah. And 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 now you're you're forever on that that that. Um, list of of those who shall not be named and yet that's not the way christ calls us to live in this world yeah so i think this is what we want to start with i want to start with before we give concessions to making everybody not mad at us anymore let's start with the thing that's gonna like be really frustrating and difficult as a christian right so number one um Let's frame the work of, you know, OMG is a horrible person. How can Jesus still love him? Um, let's frame what God's response to people is. For all people, not just me, not just Adam, not just those of you who are listening, not just the good people, but the people who have made, like, really heinous stuff. All just, and again, like, because it's always everybody's, like, most extreme example. John Gruden is not Hitler, okay? But even Hitler, God loved Hitler. So we're not... Just so I can provoke the emotion in you, listener, of making you really mad, send all your emails to Adam. Um, at do not email us. What at is God's response to fallen people? It's God is love. God is interested in the restoration and the redemption of all things, and God holds no bias. True. Or does God does not withhold God's self from anyone? Uh, the chiefest of sinners to the to the least of sinners. Everyone, God wants everybody. All the time. Including people who send really stupid emails and have a pattern of all of these types of behavior and may have caused harm to other people. John Gruden is still worth it to God. Correct. Everyone means every. Crap. Even, those, <laughs> even those people you don't want, right? And please, when you send us emails, send them to do not email us at gmail.com. I'm literally got to go make that domain. Yeah, name. We got to make that. Uh, so, so now that that's, and that's as, that's as clear as it can be that everyone matters to God. God wants everyone. God, Jesus says that all would come to know, right? So here's where it's hard. And we'll get into, the parameters of this and, and appropriate boundaries and, and how do we accomplish this in our context, right? But you start from the place. You have to start from the place that all are redeemable and that God wants to redeem all people and all things. And God uses people as the primary vessel of said redemption. Meaning, my response to Gruden as a Christian, has to come at the, from the place of John Gruden, by doing these horrible things that are really gross and not okay, right, um, does not dis, I do not get to withhold blessing and mercy and love and, and the redemptive nature of God from this person because he has done something that now <clears throat> allows me to disqualify him. That is not allowed. 
Right. And yet that is that is the orientation of our society. Uh-huh. That is that is how we function. I mean, we have television shows. <laughs> You know, love cooking shows, right? The NFL Lo- Network. Uh, I'm just kidding, <laughs> right? But no, we 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 have love cooking shows. Uh-huh. But we set up a society that that only counts for demerits. I, I loved uh, I loved your example of gymnastics, right? Like you could have the most ridiculous routine of your entire life, and it could be wonderful and awesome, and there's a mark. There's a mark. Here's where you sucked. So like, here's where this like, didn't that's work. All they talk about is where you. Where it's you all trash. Didn't do uh, it right. Right. And so, and I want to also separate something here too. And and Christians, um, this is going to make you mad, maybe potentially, possibly. I'm not fishing for causing you harm, but just the contrast is non-Christians are not accountable for this. We don't judge people outside the body for what the body is called to be and to do. Now, I'm yelling at everybody, but stop pretending for one second, like huge, big, fat finger at the big C church here. You, it is unfair, unreasonable, ungodly to expect those who have not been enlightened to the truth to act and behave and have the perspective of Christians that God has called to have that perspective and do those types of things. Now, what I didn't say is Christianity is the cause of all morality. No, I didn't say that the only people who are morally good are, are Christians. I also did not say that it is permission for people outside the body to visit harm upon us and do terrible things to people. That is also not okay. You can hold both things in tension. But when we hold people accountable for the things of God, or we expect people to follow God and do the things that God has called us to do, it is not permitted to go outside of the faith and hold people to that example. Correct. We and I think Kelly, you make an excellent point there. Uh, it <laughs> yay. is yay, way to go. It's only taken nine episodes. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I said that as he was taking a drink of water. <laughs> Dude, I almost broke my computer. <laughs> Perfect timing for the win. But we. We have a, and this is human nature, right? To look at others as defective versions of ourselves. Mm, that's really good. And one of the, the grave things that's, that Christianity does is, when, and when we, when we do this, we seem, tend to only do this with a part. So we hold them to the standard of behavior and worldview without extending to them the benefits of grace and healing and forgiveness. So act like us, but no, you can't come into the, po- into the club like us. Um, there's this, this, this sense in which we want others to be judged at a different measuring stick than what we want for ourselves. And maybe this is why we take such delight, and I think societally, but there's this, there's, and, and maybe delight's the wrong word, but when celebrities fall, there's a sense in which those of us who are not, quote, escalated to that level 
can go, oh, good, I'm not like that. We, we take a revelry in the falling of others. What's the goal? What do we want to have happen here? If, if Gruden comes out tomorrow and is inconsolable and is, is starting the work and is donating monies to charities of these and like has given personal apologies and like has really owned this, is that good enough? No. No, of course that's not. the start. So it's a lot like, and again, I say this about believers, it's a lot like Jonah and Nineveh. Right, where the whole story... The asparagus? <laughs> Dude, I love VeggieTales. Y'all, shameless plug. VeggieTales is legit. My lovely cheeseburger. Best Top billboard hit. <laughs> so I sing it to my wife all the time. Uh, she likes it. Um, but Jonah and Nineveh, right? The story of Jonah and the whale isn't about Nineveh. No. Jonah thinks it's all about Nineveh. I'm like, dude, you're an idiot. Like, God's like, hey, go do this. And Jonah's like, I'm not going to hide on land. Let me go on the one thing that, like, I have zero control over, right? And, oh, by the way, uh, God's mad at me. Just throw me over the side so y'all can live. God. Then a whale eats him or swallows him for three days and spits him back up. After Jonah fights with God while he's in the belly, like, what a, what a punk. And then gets to Nineveh and like they repent. Judgment is stayed up. Like they're restored. Things are good. And Jonah throws a fit. A fit. And he's like, God, I came for the fireworks. Why aren't they all dead yet? I'm like, dude. And then pouts. And it's like, just end me i'm so mad i could die i'm so mad i could die and that's I'm a biblical like, quote right there for and you. i'm like what what what's the lesson here and i go here's the deal gruden said things that represent serious pain and death that has been visited upon groups of people in this country since i don't know when and there's flaring up there of things that people should have legitimate reason to be furious over. And I would argue as Christians, we have legitimate reasons to be furious over because God is on the side of life and these things have destroyed people. We should be pissed. However, John Gruden is not the author of all these things. He's a representation of things that are broken that we don't have total control over and we need to be a participants in fixing and bringing healing and restoration towards. Yet, it's really easy to sit back and go, oh, I'm so glad this guy's getting what's coming to him because he deserves it. Uh, no. To piggyback on your Jonah analogy, <laughs> so... One of my, the parts of the story of Jonah, and it's, it's such a long book, four chapters. <laughs> it's like Titus, <laughs> plus one. Plus one. Um, the part that is most powerful for me in the book of Jonah is when the prophet, after he has been swallowed by the, it, it says, a great fish. <laughs> glub, glub. Glub, glub. 
after he has been swallowed and spat back upon the land while he's still stinking of fish. Finally says, okay, God, I'm, Lord, I'm going to go and do what you called me to do. He walks a day's journey into the city of Nineveh, which, by the way, the city is like three days to walk across. He walks one day in. He says, 30 days and the city of Nineveh will be overthrown. And that's all he does. <laughs> like, that's his entire prophetic word. <laughs> That's his idea of, I've done, I have repented of trying to run away from the, the call of the Almighty. I have followed in line with God's command is to go one-third of the way into town and give them exactly one sentence. <laughs> that doesn't even include an option for repent or this is going to happen, or the Lord is declaring this judgment upon you. Nothing. None of that. It's not like I was just shown any kind of mercy or grace that I should replicate, but cool, whatever. <laughs> You're all gonna die. <laughs> 30 more days, and then the hammer comes. <laughs> the end is nigh! <laughs> you probably had a sandwich board, right? We had a sandwich board with it. The... So often... I feel like this is the problem for the church. This is the kind of grace we offer to those who are not us. This is the kind of grace that we want others to receive after we have received literal deliverance from inside the belly of the fish. <laughs> and I feel like this is no grace at all. This is, this is no forgiveness at all. This is no hope at all. We are merely going to others and saying, God's going to bring the hammer down on you. And you deserve it. And you deserve it. And I'm going to sit here and laugh when it happens. I'm going to sit. I'm going to get myself a good yeah, seat just, for the apocalypse. I'm just going to relish in this fact that you're getting punished. You're getting your just des des desserts. You're getting your reward like you're... Vengeance is a, best, a dish best served with God's hammer. Like, I can't wait to be here for a front row seat where you get what you deserve. And I go, listen, listen. I want to take this into the next thing where everybody who's listening, who's going, but you guys are giving him a free pass. No, 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 no. Let's go to the next thing. Yeah. Repentance requires, accountability requires real repentance. Here's right. the important part with John and what I want for John. So I am saying, yeah, we don't kill him. We don't murder him. I'm not relishing in the fact. Because guess what? When people do bad things and sin is visited upon a person and other people, that's not good. We don't want that to happen. It's painful. It's bad. It's not what God intends, right? So I'm irked. And I'm not just like, John, like, you messed up. I'm like, John, like, you can't say this stuff. This is so bad. Um, and it's not even, I'm not even at the point where I'm like, John, what, why? I'm like, no, God, what? Mm, mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, but the follow-up of that is the accountability component. So grace and mercy and love from God and the Ninevites, the Ninevites would have been wiped off the face of the earth if they didn't repent. They were faced with accountability and they changed their behavior. They 
submitted to God, and they went, okay, God, you're right. Sorry. Let's fix it. And God's like, cool, let's fix it. Let's go in the right direction. So we get, we get this weird thing about justice, right? Well, you know what? It's been a really tough two years, especially in societal issues. And here comes, here comes a sacrificial lamb for all these companies that fronted this man up and knew these types of behaviors existed. And they're deflecting all of the responsibility on John Gruden. I go, time out. I'm looking at you, mouse. The email was sent to ESPN, right? This is when he was an analyst. It was, so, right? yeah. Then this is after he's hired as a coach, and these comments are made known to the front office. This is the hardest part about being a Christian, in my opinion. It's learning how to do things with just scales. That's what Jesus says in the Gospels, right? Mm-hmm. You judge wrongly, I judge rightly. I judge with just scales. Why does judgment exist Judgment exists. A wise person once preached this recently, a friend of mine, and he said, justice exists to separate us from sin, not us from God. The reason we're bristling at Gruden and going, dude, not okay, is because God wants better from him and for him. That's what you're mad about as a Christian. Now, if you're a Christian and that's not what you're mad about, then you've got other questions you need to ask yourself. Because the goal is healing and restoration for John. Now, the accountability component here is you are going to lose your job. Right. You have done damage in relationships that you need to go and you need to apologize for and you need to own. Not fake, not the prepared statement from your lawyers. I mean real, authentic apology Real, authentic heart work is what God is after here. So when we talk about like, well, you're talking about the grace and love of God just lets people off scot-free. No, 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 no. Real, real change comes on the back end of pain and suffering going to God going, God, I really messed this up and I hurt us, I hurt me and you, and I hurt other people. How do I own this and how do I work through this? Well, John... First off, the consequence here is you lost your job. Okay. Now you've got to go through, you've got to educate yourself on why these things are offensive, why they're bad, and you've got to own what you did. Not, well, I was, I was just young and naive and I didn't understand. That's not good enough. You're accountable for what you said. You're accountable for what you did. And that means that now you have, you are now the agent of change to restore those things. Um, a fantastic character in the biblical narrative who is the worst of these is Paul. Mm. Um, Christians, we revere this guy like he is the greatest person besides Jesus that ever lived. Y'all, this dude killed people. Men, women, children non-Christians listen to this, then how could God use him? I'm like, that's a fantastic question because I wouldn't have. I would have also destroyed him, Mm -hmm. right? But Paul owns it and changes, not on his own power. He repents. He goes, okay, God, this is wrong. I'm sorry I did this. And then tries to fix it. Goes right back into these places where he caused harm and owns it and apologizes for it, right? And 
this is the goal. The real fruit we want to see from John Gruden is that he's actually sorry. Right. That he feels the weight of what he's done. Um, so mm. Dietrich Bonhoeffer oh, is a, a great Christian thinker and theologian. Um, was. Was, fair. <laughs> he still is. He's just not writing down here anymore. Um, so he was a, a, a German Lutheran preacher during Nazi Germany. Um, he wrote a great book called uh, The Cost of Discipleship. And in this book, The Cost of Discipleship, he talks about cheap grace as opposed to real grace. Mm. And so this is what he says about cheap grace. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, cheap grace is the grace we bestow on ourselves. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance baptism without church discipline, communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. The first step of embracing real grace is to feel the pain you have caused yourself and others by your sin. So, what, what would be the hope for, for someone like John Gruden would be that he would truly have to feel the consequence of what he's done. Um, and not he, just by losing his job. And not just the— not Who just, cares? Yeah. I mean, I get it. We care. We but, care, but— But, like, so um, to feel real remorse, to feel the real hurt that he has caused— um, a great example of this comes in the, the Harry Potter series. When Harry is staring down Voldemort, there I said his name, even in their last duel, Harry is begging him, try, Tom, try for an ounce of real remorse. Try to... Feel what you've done. Because that's where repentance starts. Is really not just an intellectual apprehension of what we've done, but a heart level, gut level, oh my gosh. Oh, oh, this is how I have, this is how what I've done has impacted myself and others. This is where I have caused harm. And it's not comfortable at all. That's that's why like I loved our conversation last week. So peep the peep the podcast from last week because we talked about institutions. That's right. And so this is one of the issues as Christians we have with the church and people outside the church have with the church is we offer the cheap grace. Yeah. Right, we're a movement, we're agents of change. Like real repentance requires real repentance. It's not you don't get to come into church and be this hate filled person and behave like a like a monster. Right. Outside of the service and then come in and be like, Oh, everything's fine. Like those things don't get to coexist. And church communities are meant to be those places where Gruden repentively has a place to land to be restored. 
But again, the requirement of that restoration, the thing that has to come before, is repentance. Right. It is, God, I have sinned. I have fallen short. And again, like, we might sound like we're really harping on the inadequacy of people and like how we're just all blah, blah, blah. And I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is that the crux of that, right? The, the root of that, the core of that is the understanding of our clinging to and desiring of self-reliance instead of the things of God. And until you are deconstructed to that point, real repentance can't happen because you, you don't understand. And it's not to shame you. No. That's not what God's doing. God's like, listen, this is wrong. It's bad. It's terrible. Like, this is not good for you. This isn't good for anybody else. Now, I have this. Let's go this direction. But Good Friday comes before Easter. Good what? <laughs> we don't get Easter. The resurrection without the death of Jesus. That's it, right. It, you have to go through both. And again... I'm the weird person who loves confession. I love the the practice of it. I love the history of it. Now, I don't agree with like somebody mediating for me, but this idea of like habitually going before God and confessing sin or things that I'm hiding from God or doing these other things, I I shouldn't say I love that. Sometimes I really enjoy it and other times I want to keep my stuff. But but the habitual practice of that is so good for my soul when I'm really pressing into it because it's the starkest reminder, the most clear reminder that God hasn't abandoned me and my stuff. Yeah, because, spoiler alert, <laughs> confession properly is never separated from pardon. Right, and it's and God isn't there with a big stick going, ah, uh, now I get to kill you. Like you done messed yeah. up, AA Ron. Ron. Like it's not, it's that's not the point of the confession. The reward of confession is restored intimacy with God. And so as Christians, what we want is not to go up to people we don't know and be like, listen, you suck. <laughs> like, but it's John knows he, he's caught. Yeah. He's in the thick of it now where it's like, dude, like, this is clear. And so we get to, as Christians, go, all right, John, do you want something better? This isn't, you're not rewarded for wrongdoing. You're rewarded in your repentance of the wrongdoing and the acknowledgement and the admission that, oh, no. And this is where Christianity gets tough for people is is Gruden off scot-free with God yes absolutely God it, it, when when if Gruden were to repent of these things and that proof of that is the fruit right yeah God doesn't remember it separates Cast, it as far as the east, east is, is from, from the west, the west. <laughs> you nerds uh that means infinity it means it is no longer remembered it means that John Gruden has full inheritance and the family of God, and is co-equal with Christ. Ugh. This is our obsession with Judas. Mm -hmm. We pretend like what Judas did was so much worse than what Peter did. Right. They're both really bad. Super bad. <laughs> Super bad. It's a good movie. Um, <laughs> so culturally, the backdrop is we want blood. Christians want blood. 
and I say that loosely, um, in my circles, this drives me so nuts when we disqualify other people. Well, I, this is now my reason where I get to withhold. No, you don't. Now, again, the condition for Groot in here is repentance. Now, you don't, you don't get to stay in the community and participate if you're unrepentant. You don't get to keep doing these things. Yeah, the biblical model is if a brother or a sister has committed sin against you, you approach them one-on-one, and if they're, they continue to be unrepentant, you bring an elder from the church? One. One. And if they continue to be unrepentant, then you bring the entire leadership team, yep. group, and then if they continue to be unrepentant, then you bring them in front of the entire community, and if the, even then they, they refuse, you throw them out. And I will say that the model that we humans see in that is we see the line of how far we have to go before we can throw them out. Yes. Rather than seeing the lengths that we need to go to try to keep them in. Yeah, what they're doing is, my favorite way to paint that is you are hugging them as close as you possibly can, and they are fighting to get out of your embrace. Yeah. So you're not doing that and this is why like 10 commandments right like you will not bear false witness you're not doing this whole thing to cause them harm and to embarrass them and to humiliate them this is in the context of a community that loves that person and and has demonstrated that they have their best interest and they love them and they care about them and the reason this is being brought to your attention is not gotcha you suck i knew you sucked and i can't like right that's not the goal the goal is the community has proven to you that they love you and that they're trustworthy and that they are examples of Christ, Christ's self, and that we are fighting to retain you and to keep you because this isn't just harmful to the person you hurt. It's harmful to you. And if you can't let it go, then you can't stay here because the hope then, and this is the following verse, is that out there you will come to repentance and then we will then you come back and we will re-embrace you. Right. But we didn't drive you out. You, you left. Cho- you 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 chose. You chose. And it's and again though, for the non-Christian cultural backdrop is one of the things that is rampant in our society is we don't fight for those relationships. We don't fight for people that way. We wait for them to fail us, and then we remind them of how horrible they are, and then we leave them to die. Yeah. We Literally. Look, we look for reasons to yes. say no. Yes. To, to, to choose negatives. Okay. No grace, no forgiveness, no true accountability. Uh, yeah, and that's part of the problem, right, is the distrust in those communities and the distrust of loving people that way and having restorative communities that are repentant and accountable mm-hmm is uh, because a lot of these institutions and foundations of how we're supposed to do these things have not been done. No. Um, I said I wasn't going to name drop this guy, but in Christian circles, everybody knows who Ravi Zacharias is. Right. And the more that comes out about that, the, the more evil and heinous that is. And it's like, how are any of us supposed to trust y'all? Exactly. This was a guy who was held up as a pillar of what a Christian ought to be. 
and the things that he did to women are just, they're evil. Should have been to jail. Should have been jailed. And instead... And I'd argue all the people who knew about the reports and did nothing on them also. Like, there's a whole... There's a, <laughs> there's a whole vetting thing there of like, oh, you're dangerous, and there's rules. Um, but at the same time... Does that mean that everything that God used Ravi Zacharias to do is now filthy and unclean and unuseful? No. 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 And, and therein lies the, the difficult tension for us of we don't have pathways that we, cre- that, that we are, 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 are comfortable with or that, that we are familiar with walking, I would say. Because what we're familiar with walking through is cover it up. Well, yeah, Adam and Eve. Right? We hid because we were naked. God's we're, like, who told you? You've always been naked. What are you talking about? <laughs> who I who told you? <laughs> what do you? What do you? Oh, no, you ate the fruit. Ah, oh, crap. <laughs> and you're unrepentant. Also crap. Now you got to go. Crap. Crap. So I, so the path forward, right? And, and these mechanisms in our culture and our society. Now, now, for those of you listening who maybe have never met me face-to-face, I am a 35-year-old white male, who heterosexual white male, who enjoys immense amounts of privilege. So understand, like, part of the way that I'm communicating these things or I've communicated up until this point, if you're like, well, you don't know, I'm fully admitting to my context, my upbringing, and my biases, and my own privilege. Here's the thing. The reason I think, one of the main reasons God goes, love me, love yourself, and love everybody else is because once the trust is damaged, once you are a person in a harbinger of harm, right, and you've done the thing, you probably have forfeited your right to be a part of the restoration process. John Gruden does not get to go up to this athlete that he said these horrible things to and demand forgiveness from that person. He might not even have the ability now because of the other things that person is going to have to deal with, where even if Gruden is repentant and really means it, he, that might not get restored now. Right. So for those of you who are listening, if you've been through something heinous, somebody has done something really terrible to you, I'm not saying... That everybody just turns a blind eye and goes, oh, it's fine, and I'm just going to go put myself around this person now, and everything's okay. That's not at all what I'm saying, and that's not at all what I would argue Adam is saying either. We're not like, oh, you've been through this, and you just need to forgive them. And I go, no, like, it's not that simple. No, no. And I I would even say that, you know, forgiveness isn't something that that would—forgiveness isn't something that you're—that you would do— for the other person's benefit. Um, your, your walking out of forgiveness would be a releasing yourself from the harm that they caused you. Jesus did not excuse the abuse that was visited upon his person. Correct. Like, this is another thing, a misnomer about Christianity. It's like, well, God loves them and God forgave them, so I need to just be God. I go, you're not God. And that's not, now, 
do I hope for people who have had horrible things that have happened to you? Uh, those of you who don't know me on a really personal level, my story is full of these things. Like really deep, heinous stuff has been visited upon my person. And God's command to me was not, it's fine. <laughs> Actually, that's the lie I told myself. It was like, oh, I can just be Jesus to people and go back around them and like, it's okay. Like I, I should love them anyway. And I go, I want to be free to forgive them and see them the way that God sees them so I don't withhold parts of myself because it's not good for myself. It's also not good for them. But that's that living that out, right, is more complex and complicated than just slapping a bandit on something going, well, Jesus forgave them, so so should I. Yes, I want to get there. Right, but it doesn't mean like that. I'm, I just, I'm there, and everything's fine. And the thing about Gruden and what he said is, he said a lot of things that quite a few. He hit every group almost. Which is like, dude, come on. Yeah. Um. So if you've suffered trauma at the hands of people who have talked to you that way or systems in our country, whether they're political systems or judicial systems or educational systems that have also visited this type of harm upon your person or communities of people or a person in your life who have done these things, the trauma that you have suffered is now being stroked or flamed because Gruden represents that pain for you. I think part of the gift of God is that we also get to forgive ourselves when we're navigating pain where we want to hold things against people. Um, and that's hard. That's where I think when, you know, Jesus says my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the promises of God are things like as we learn how to let go of those things and, and to live at peace, right? Um, you know, I'm not going to go die for the sins of mankind and, and creation, um, but I can learn and heal and be restored, and I don't have to hold these things against people and what they did to me. I can give those things over to God and learn how to live with those scars and with those wounds. And some of them might close, some of them might get fully healed, and some of them might not. Um, but I don't get to live, I don't say I don't get to, but I think what God's plan for us is not to live in those places of pain where it's visited upon ourselves and then other people um, long term. So my final word is the trajectory of grace. goes from the pain of the harm to the healing of the harm. And at its best, grace goes to the healing of the harm, both in the harmer and in the harmed. Mm. I'm going to close with actually a much different thought than I normally do. Uh, when Jesus commissions the disciples... He tells them that if they go to places and they're not invited in for a meal and people will not hear the gospel, 
that they should put their sand, they should shake the dust off their sandals, put them back on and get moving. Um, in the context of uh, living in a world that's broken and having some institutions that are broken and people doing broken, harmful things and learning how to like exist in those spaces, I think it's really important that we understand um, that we're not going to have all the answers on these things. And what, but the way forward is always one of being in love with God, loving who we are in God, and loving other people, and that will never steer you wrong. So if our pursuit is to learn how to do that better, um, like you said, grace isn't cheap. Love also is accountable. It's not permission to suffer abuse. Um, so, yeah, this is a, a good one man yeah this is kelly and this is adam we'll see you on the next one and remember hi i'm chucky and i'm your friend to the end heidi ho ha ha ha